Hey, welcome to the Heartway Podcast. This is Jody, and today we're having a conversation. Uh, here with me is my wife, Gabby, and also our special guest, uh, Justin and Colleen Gatlin. Justin is a pastor at Alvin Missionary Baptist Church. And so today we're going to have a conversation on the topic of the importance of sleep in kids and um, in this with this um a sleep routine, like the importance of that, what that might look like, and talk a little bit about the idea of parent coaching and what that is like too and who might benefit from that. So, um, Gabby, do you want to get us started off today on the topic of sleep importance? Yes. You forgot another special guest that you will hear in the background. (laughs) (laughs) Little Joey is back there eating. So, uh, yeah, sleep is very important for humans, obviously, and it's also very important for children. Uh, It's something that I think a lot of times we take for granted thinking that it's a naturally occurring thing, but a good sleep routine or a good sleep habit or pattern is something that you have to learn or develop, and it starts when kids are young, learning how to sleep well and to get a restful night's sleep. Um, So, yeah. And so, um, you may wonder, like, well, I think my kid gets enough sleep. Uh, I mean, they sleep as much as I do. Well, I mean, it's important to know how much like sleep your kid should be getting. So according to some experts, uh, infants zero to three months should be getting 14 to 17 hours. That includes naps. Um, infants four to 12 months uh, should be getting 12 to 16 hours. And of course that includes naps too. Uh, toddlers, that'd be one to two year olds. That's 11 to 14 hours also including naps. And then preschool, three to five years, 10 to 13 hours, including uh, naps. And then school age, six to 13 years old, nine to 12 hours. And then teens, eight to 10 hours. So, um, that's a good check. Uh, so if you're not in that, if your kid isn't in that range, if they're below that, um, we'll talk about what that could do to your kid. Um, but you, there may be some signs if you don't know if your kid is sleeping that well or not. Um, some signs would be they fall asleep during the day. That's pretty obvious. Um, younger children might be more hyperactive, actually. Um, They may have trouble paying attention, struggle with schoolwork, be cranky, obviously. I think we can all relate as adults. Uh, And then they might have some behavior problems, so like hitting, uh, just things that aren't typical uh, for them if they're not sleeping well. Um, Some medical things that um, are important for sleep um, is I want to read from the book Change Your Brain, Change Your Life by Daniel Amen. And uh, so if one of the, he says here, one of the fastest ways to hit your brain is to get less than seven or eight hours of sleep at night. So you can think of this for kids, it would be less than what they should be getting. Uh, chronic insomnia triples your risk of death from all causes and is associated with cognitive decline. Um, For adults, getting less than six hours of sleep at night has been associated with lower overall blood flow to the brain and hurts your mood, focus, and memory for days after. Teenagers who average an hour less sleep than their peers have a higher incidence of depression and suicide. 
When you sleep less, you eat more and are more likely to be obese. The negative effects of sleep deprivation are so great that people who are drunk outperform those lacking sleep. And this part is really important. So fascinating new research has shown that the brain actually cleans or washes itself only during sleep. The brain has a specialized fluid system that helps it to rid it of toxins that build up during the day, including beta amyloid plaques that thought to be involved in Alzheimer's disease. During the day, the brain is so metabolically active managing our lives that this cleaning system is inactive. It only turns on when we're sleeping. Without healthy sleep, this waste clearance system doesn't have enough time to operate, thus allowing toxins to build up over time, which can cause cognitive and emotional problems. Think of sleep deprivation's effect on your brain as you, as what your home or office might look like if no one bothered to take out the trash for a month. So, it's very important um, for your kid and their health to be getting uh, adequate sleep. So let's talk about some about sleep routine. So uh, Justin and Colleen had something come up uh, a while back uh, with some issues with, with sleep with one of their kids and I'll let him take over at this point. Yeah, so our, um, our baby that you can hear is 10 months old now. And so we went through some sleep deprivation with that right away. That affected the kids, uh, the older kids too. We've got a five-year-old, a three-year-old, and a 10-month-old. Um, and then when the baby, when Joey was uh, four weeks, five weeks old, uh, he got RSV and was in the hospital uh, in pretty severe condition for uh, a week or so. And so the kids were staying with my parents and then Colleen and I were switching off. This was at a point where with the COVID restrictions, we weren't able to be there at the same time. And so we had to hand off being with the other kids and it was a very stressful thing for them. Uh, and just a few months after that, our three-year-old had a um, severe medical thing that uh, they think may have been an allergic reaction, but he was in the hospital for four, four days um, and it had not been very long after his brother uh, had been sick and all of our kids were so anxious after that that the thought of being left alone just terrified them and so to go to sleep at night to be left in their room uh, they just were out of control and so their schedule had already been messed up so their routine was messed up and then with this added stress just going to sleep scared them so much they didn't want to go to sleep. And then I think about what you're talking about where when you don't have sleep, your behavior gets worse and everything. And so it was this vicious cycle where the more tired they were, the harder they fought against going to sleep and the harder things were. And of course, because we uh, live here too, our sleep was also getting affected. <laughs> and so we were seeing some of those same things. You know, it's harder to be patient with your kids when you're tired and harder to think clearly about how to solve problems when you're tired. And uh, you know, the thing to me that um, I associate with me not getting enough sleep is just feeling overwhelmed, just feeling I can't handle all these things that I'm dealing with. And so we were still stressed, um, I guess, whole hangover stress from both our boys being so sick and not knowing what was going on. And then, you know, obviously financial stress from the hospital stuff, um, with the, the bills and things for that. When we were, when I found out Joey was in the hospital, I was in Arkansas at City Reach 
and I had to leave a group of teenagers with other adults who had not signed up to be in charge so I could fly home. And so we had all those things that really, <laughs> really, he's doing fine now, <laughs> really wrecked our schedule. And so we had a really hard time figuring out what to do. Um, and so we started trying to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we help them? Uh, yeah. And the, the problem is that the way we were trying to help them was not helping them. <laughs> well, and it was helpful for sleep training when they were smaller. And so right. we were operating on, okay, this worked before under different circumstances, but we were not in the situation where they were anxious. It was not helpful. It was mm -hmm. actually hurting mm -hmm. their sleep worse. Right. So when we sleep trained them the first time when they were little, we did the sit with them for one minute and then leave for one minute and come back and then you're gone twice as long every time or whatever. So they built that confidence that we would come back and we weren't gonna abandon them. And so that was kind of our thought process was, okay, they're really scared, we'll come back. But they were at such a different developmental stage. They weren't a baby where they were gonna fall asleep in 10 minutes of doing that. They were still awake an hour later, like waiting on you to come back again and counting the minutes. and. They um, so what was really effective for one-year-olds for both of our kids for a five-year-old and a three-year-old was destructive. Um, it was creating this attitude. It was adding to their anxiety instead of alleviating their anxiety. Um, and you know, I was uh, telling Joey earlier that I, in some part of my brain, I knew that, <laughs> but that part of my brain was not accessible uh, in, the, in the midst of everything going on. Well, and I think we didn't understand just how anxious they were, mm. you know, um, and I stay home, and so during the day, I'd be in the kitchen, you know, and Samuel would be in the other room, and he'd run in the kitchen and say, Mommy, Mommy, and then he'd find me, and then he would be fine, you know, he would be okay, and then he would go back and play, and then 10 minutes later, he'd come back and do the same thing, Mommy, 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 you know, just mm. to make sure I was still there where he could find me and that was the strangest thing you know just all day long needing reassurance um, and I'm not sure when that quit but uh, it definitely started when he started getting a good night's sleep it started to get better mm -hmm. even during the day right well and with that I mean part of that was the COVID stuff where they wouldn't allow us both to be in the room at the same time even for a minute so like one of us had to wait in the lobby <laughs> And we had to swap in the lobby, and so we had to leave him with a nurse or whatever. Um, and if they were busy, we had to leave him with nobody. And uh, they'd say, oh, no, we don't have anybody to come in here and sit with you right now. We don't have any babysitters or something, which was not how I would have said it if I had been. Uh, you know, <laughs> but we have this little kid, like, okay, just sit here and watch TV. Mommy, Daddy's leaving, but Mommy will be right back. Um, and that kind of stress on him, I think, was a huge deal. Um, and it did create that... And so we, our ability to draw on the knowledge we did have was really short-circuited by all the stress going on. Um, and so that's when we uh, reached out to uh, Jody and Gabby for coaching. Uh, and, and I really like that word coaching because we might look at it and say, I um, have, a, you know, I've read books and stuff and I've got training in this stuff, you know, I, I studied this in seminary and I've got some uh, 
counseling certifications and everything. Um, but to apply it in your own life, it's really hard. And to apply it when you're stressed out and not thinking clearly and your kids are stressed out and you're so emotionally entangled in everything is really hard. And so the thing I like about that term coaching is, you know, a, a first base coach on a baseball team is not a better baseball player than the baseball players, you know, but they're outside of that situation and they can spend a lot of time thinking about, okay, how should this be handled? They're not emotionally involved to the same extent. And so they can give you an objective third party perspective and say, Hey, here's some ideas that you can try. And so, you know, it was as simple in this case as reaching out and gonna give me some information. And then Gabby sent us like a two page PDF of like ideas to try. And once we had that, I was like, oh duh, you know, obviously this is like, this makes perfect sense. But to have the resource to, you know, you're gonna be able to overcome the pride thing. It's like, you know, I'm not a bad parent. I don't need somebody to tell me what to do or what, it, like to overcome that and to be able to say, just like, you know, Tiger Woods has a golf coach and just like, you know, you have somebody to come alongside you and say, hey, here's some things to try. And they, they're not like strict rules. It's not like, oh, hey, you have to do these 11 things in this order on this time frame, or you're a terrible parent. Um, it's here's some things to try. If one of these things doesn't work, try something different. It's, it's a, a strategic approach. And so for us, the parenting coaching stuff, even in that really informal way, was so helpful. And um, I really, I don't know, I really hope that people will take advantage of that as a resource as well. I'm glad to hear that, Justin. Thanks for sharing, Justin and Colleen, on that situation. Um, yeah, I mean, good, Good counselors need to be counseled. Good coaches need to be coached. And so to think that you're just some individual that's like above all of that, that's when, you know, problems can occur. So what I'm saying is anybody can benefit from a coach. Um, and so Justin, like Justin pointed out. And so Gabby is going to add here, we heard some about Justin and Colleen's and their situation with their sleep routine. And they had overall a, real, a lot of good things happening in their routines. And uh, but they're, you know, just as Justin described, just some things were going on and, you know, when you're sleep deprived, it's hard to see it. And so Gabby, what are some other things that, um, people can be on the lookout for, for, um, you know, in creating a sleep routine for their kids? Cause we, we, we see a lot of kids, you know, up late in the wee hours of the morning and, you know, dysfunctional type families. Um, so what are, what are some things, uh, that families could do to develop a good sleep routine. Yeah, um, yeah. As parents, we need to remember that our goal is we want our children to be successful. You know, not just in you know academics, although that's important, and not just in um, you know sports. But we want them to be successful in following Christ and having the right mindset and the right heart. And that does, that's hard to do if you are sleep deprived. That is very hard to find that patience that. And that joy and like Justin and I talked about just being overwhelmed, kids are going to feel those same things and those emotions are going to be even more raw than adults. So for our children to be able to truly show Christ and even really experience Christ in some ways, they need to have good sleep. So some simple advice um, that, that maybe you can implement into your, um, into your family's routine, which again, we say routine. 
kids thrive off of routines. Um, it doesn't mean a schedule necessarily where you, you know, eight o'clock your kid is sitting down in their bed. That might not work perfectly for you, but the same routine is beneficial. Um, so um, setting a good routine is really good, is really important for good sleep. Um, making goodbyes or good nights short uh, transitions are very hard for children, especially if a child is having some anxiety going to sleep, which that's really common. Um, especially younger children and sleep anxiety is really common and so making those uh, good nights short so you know go in say good night i love you say your prayers or do whatever you're talking you do on your normal night and then get out of there um it's not a prolonged you stand in the doorway uh, answer a million questions like it's going to bed you say good night and then you leave and kids come up with the best questions at nighttime. <laughs> But, you know, maybe even having something that you can jot that you can tell, hey, you know what, um, I can just use my kids. Hey, Gideon, I'm going to write that, that question down and we can hit that tomorrow morning when you wake up. And so they know that you care about them and that you care about those questions, but you're not going to start um, making their brain think as you're trying to lay them down. That's and you can explain to them that too. Like yes, now sure. is not the time to solve problems. It's right. just it's the time to sleep. To relax, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That was for us the shortening it, shortening the goodbye time was the biggest thing that we did that helped. Because mm-hmm. um, that's what we were, they didn't want us to leave and so we were not leaving mm-hmm. uh, and thought that would make it better and it made it worse. Um, but even stuff like, so we have, you know, the, brush your teeth and then read a story and then pray and then lay down and everything. We had done most of that in their rooms before, mm-hmm. but by doing everything in the living room, <laughs> except like good night, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, made it very clear for them, okay, here's our like together time and then now you're in your bed. Yeah. Um, and so reading our stories and praying and everything separately in a separate location seemed to help their routine a lot. Like, here's where we do this, and here's where we do this, and here's where we do this. The mental cues gave them some structure. And like you say, kids need structure. Um, Adults need structure too, but kids um, especially need structure to help them deal with all of the stuff that's coming at them all the time that they're not familiar with. And so that, that was the single most helpful thing that you told us was about shortening that goodbye. And again, like our immediate instinct was to do the opposite was to do something that was making it worse instead of a better yeah yeah because mm-hmm. i mean for that that second right it does make it better they do stop crying and they do feel mm-hmm. oh i'm safe and i'm mm-hmm. I, you know i'm mom's back there but we like we have to keep big big goals in mind mm-hmm. our ultimate goal is that we want our children to sleep well mm-hmm. and in order for that they have to feel comfortable going to sleep mm-hmm. so yeah that's i mean that's exactly yeah mm-hmm um, so it's saying, doing what you say you're going to do is another one. Uh, if you tell your kid, okay, I'm not coming back in here tonight. I'm telling you good night. You have your water bottle. You know, you're safe. I'm not coming back in here, even if you scream. Um, letting your child know that actually reduces anxiety for a lot of children. And this isn't necessarily for the tiny, tiny children, but as children get older and are able to reason more, telling them, you know, I'm not coming back in here because you're fine and it's time to sleep um, can actually and if you follow through with it, can actually reduce anxiety because the child's not thinking, okay, well, if I scream just a little bit longer, then my mom's going to come in maybe, or maybe she won't. I don't know. You know, that's very, that's a lot of anxiety for a child. And um, so as a child gets older, uh, setting boundaries better about I'm not coming in. I'm not going to come in here. You're fine. Um, so that might 
that might be a little messy to start it off with, um, but positive reinforcement is something that uh, I feel works really well in this area. So with little kids, it can, um, so I'm not a huge proponent of sweets and especially not in the morning, but for our kids, yeah, it goes in cycles and sometimes our sons will do the whole, I can't sleep, mom, I can't sleep. And so we'll do, okay, well, if you stay in your bed at night, then the next morning you can, you know, have a couple of M&Ms. And it sounds silly, but it will keep them motivated for that. And then, you know, we'll tell them if you stay in your bed for five nights in a row, well, then on Saturday morning you can wake up and you can pick a Netflix cartoon to watch. And that little bit of positive motivation, uh, positive encouragement is enough to motivate them to stay in their bed for the, I mean, for the week. Um, so every once in a while we have to, I wouldn't call it bribing, but it's positive reinforcement. And it works It works a lot better than threatening because when you threaten a child, if you come out of your bed one more time, I'm going to bust your butt. Now that is just, that is such an emotionally charged thing for a child. That is doing the opposite of what you're seeking to do, which is calm them down, relax them, you know, get them ready for bed. You're exciting them and making them scared and they're feeling this rush of adrenaline, all that you're doing absolute opposite of what you should be doing to try to get a child to go to sleep when you're threatening them. And that's, that's uh, kind of amplified in kids that already struggle with sleep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... Another common thing for as older kids start struggling with sleep, which you think that it gets easier as they get older, but sometimes for kids it's harder. Um, and uh, our personal experience is uh, our children, we have, we have one child that is actually diagnosed with insomnia. And for this child, um, the doctor that diagnosed her with this explained to us that for her, when she goes to sleep, it's actually performance anxiety is what she's getting that she feels like she has to perform the act of sleep. And because of that, she gets so anxious about it that she can't sleep. So um, it's important to remind children that are anxious about sleeping that it's not their job to sleep. It's their job to lay in bed and relax and sleep will eventually come. But their goal, their, what they're trying to perform is not sleep, they're trying to perform laying in bed, relaxing and waiting for sleep to come. And so that little bit of a mindset change can help a child relax and stay in their bed and and sleep will eventually come. If you lay in your bed long enough, sleep will come more than likely. So, um, what about devices? I mean, we, we, you know, they're uh, younger and younger children have access to iPads. Even our kids have iPads for educational reasons and sometimes travel reasons. Yeah. And so uh, what about the role of electronics uh, at bedtime in terms of timing and then uh, access to that maybe at night uh, for even if they have books on the mm-hmm. tablets? What do, you, what do you recommend on that? If you have young children, I would say you're at an advantage at this point hearing this now. Do not allow tablets anywhere near the bedrooms at all. Um, And honestly, limit the tablet time to nothing unless, I mean, we have, we use tablets extremely, TV, everything is very sparingly used at our house. We do have people that struggle sleeping in our house, so we've made it a huge point to take away anything that could cause sleep not to come. So um, when I say my kids will get to pick a Netflix cartoon on a Saturday morning, I mean, that's the only TV they've watched all week is they get to pick one Netflix cartoon on Saturday morning and notice it's in the morning, not at night. Um, so um, I, I, if you have a child that is struggling to sleep, uh, I guess any age, get rid of tablets, get rid of the TV, especially around the times that you're trying to put your child to sleep. If you show a child uh, really... Um, 
crazy show or a cartoon with bright colors, something that gets them really excited, and then you expect them to go to sleep right afterwards. I mean, you're asking for you're asking them to go against nature. <laughs> you're literally hyping them up and then making them go lay down and go to sleep. And so, um, and besides that, I mean, there's like physical things that computer screens have in them and TVs that like the lighting it keeps you awake. So um, myself personally, my phone's not by my bed. I make sure that my phone's in the away from me. So, cause if I wake up, you know, at two o'clock in the morning, even if I just go to check the time, it's that temptation that, you know, oh, somebody's messaged me, let me stay on it. And then I don't go back to sleep for the rest of the evening. So kids also have those same issues. So tablets definitely need to be out of the bedroom, phones out of the bedroom, TV very limited, especially uh, anywhere close to bedtime for children. So, um, with, with, with that, I mean, diet also, uh, caffeine, caffeine sneaks in in times that, in places that we don't really necessarily think about it. So obviously coffee has caffeine in it, but I mean, if you're in South Texas or in the South in general, more than likely you're having sweet tea at some point during the day, uh, that has caffeine in it. I mean, that's a decent amount of caffeine. If you have somebody that's already struggling with sleep, even just that little bit of caffeine can be enough to make it really hard to go to sleep. And so, um. I mean, we don't give our kids tea. Our kids get tea maybe once a week, and it's definitely not with their evening meal. Uh, water, milk, hot chocolate has caffeine in it if you don't watch it. Uh, chocolate in general has caffeine in it. So being aware of um, caffeine intake, especially as you move into the afternoon periods. I mean, please don't get your child a Starbucks drink on the way home from school if your child is having trouble sleeping. Um, once again, you're asking your child to go against nature, and that's, I mean, that's setting your child up for failure, not success. Um, so, with anxiety with sleeping, um, one, uh, one thing that I thought was really good, um, and this can work for little kids too, you know, they have the bad dreams or things like that, and during the day, during a calm part of the day, talking with them about really pleasant memories and trying to make, you know, pick three memories Try to make it as real to them as you can. So ask them, you know, how do you feel in this memory? What do you smell in this memory? You know, can you hear things? Um, and help them like make really vivid pictures or almost like a movie of these memories. Um, have them try to, to picture these and kind of dwell on these. They can be, you know, a vacation. They can be, you know, it can be anything. And then at nighttime, remind your kids of these stories so that they can replay these pleasant, happy stories as they're going off to sleep and kind of calm and relax them as, as they're headed into their sleep time. So, mm -hmm. I think with that, you know, one thing that's really important for adults and kids alike is to remember that our brains don't process negatives very well. And so if you are laying in bed saying, I'm not gonna stay awake, like, you're gonna <laughs> stay awake. Um, you know, obviously, I, to me, the most helpful scripture verse for a lot of counseling stuff is, um, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's good, mm -hmm. think on these things, right? Um, and the analogy that I always use is, if I tell you, um, don't think about Thanksgiving, don't think about kindergartners in little hats, don't think about turkey, don't think about pie, don't think about whatever, that's all that you're thinking about. Mm -hmm. If I say, think about Christmas, think about jingle bells and about the cold air and about kids opening presents and about all that constellation of things. And I really get you to vividly think about Christmas. I don't have to tell you to stop thinking about Thanksgiving because you've replaced that. Like you can only think about one thing at a time. So like our five-year-old came out the other night. I mean, she has a hard time going to sleep. Um, she's uh, very 
curious and always wants to know what's going on. You know, what can I? I she, she, the thought of doing nothing is very frustrating to her. And she came out and she said, Dad, I had a nightmare. And I said, baby, you've only been in there for two minutes. You didn't have a nightmare. And she said, well, I had an awake nightmare. I had a bad thought. And I said, okay, well, tell me about it. And I remember she said, what if there's a big scary bear? And so for her, I said, okay, and I want you to close your eyes. And obviously this is tailored to a five-year-old, but I said, okay, I want you to imagine the big bear. And now look on top of the bear's head. Do you see that princess hat that that bear is wearing? What kind of a silly bear is this? You know. And then we played a game for two minutes or something. Like, okay, let's come up with all the silly things we can, so that when you imagine this bear, then you're going to notice all these silly things. And this bear isn't scary at all, you know. And and so to teach that like positive, that positive perspective instead. Um, is so much more effective than, you know, oh, there's no monsters in your closet. Um, you're safe. Mom and dad are here. It's much better than there's no monsters in your life. We don't want to center our thoughts on monsters. We want to center our thoughts on safety and security and, and that right, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so when you think about, when you, when you talk about that, about like the giving them skills to, to relax, I mean, how do you, how do you know how to relax? Um, you know, we did stuff with Anna again, <laughs> like okay, you know, flex your toes and now release your toes and now flex your uh, feet. Release it, like, really, going to loosen up all your bodies. Do you feel all the, you know, the crazy, all the silly leaving your body? You know, yeah. mm-hmm. um, and so I think that getting kids that are performance oriented like that, like okay, here's something you can do. Like you can't control your sleep, you can't control that, but let me show you something you can do a good job of in relaxing or in replacing the scary thought with a happy thought or something like that, um, I think works really well. And, you know, when we think about, oh, my kid's not sleeping, again, that's a hard thing to tackle. Um, but if you say, and if you could reframe it and say, okay, I, I need to help my child relax better or I need to help my child deal with this uh, fear better if you if you can get to the root cause like you said sleep's natural sleep is normal sleep something your body wants to do um, and if you remove the barriers to it then it works a lot better but if you try to attack it directly then you just generate more anxiety and more and more trouble so for our kids doing that stuff um, you know, we were pretty good about a routine already but the hospitalizations and stuff messed yeah. that up and you, and I really admire anybody who has a life that is so stable that you can start bedtime at 7.23 every night. And I, like, be, <laughs> I think we all have got disruptions in our schedule. And if you, again, if, you're, if your goal becomes a schedule instead of a routine, then now you are anxious too. You're like, oh, hey, yeah. we're 10 minutes past. Or right. yeah. <laughs> but if your goal is, hey, we're going to relax, we're going to go to sleep, we're going to be in good, um, good mood tomorrow and good energy tomorrow, then the, you know, sometimes, obviously, we go a holiday or something and we're at my parents' house or, you know, uh, Colleen's mom lives out of town, but we go see her or whatever, where you get home a lot later than you would like to have your kids home. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but... If your goal is not a checklist, I heard a podcast about checklist. I don't know. Um, <laughs> if your goal is not a checklist, but about a creating that environment, um, you know. Obviously, again, as a pastor, it's very easy for me to think in those terms and say, "Oh, you know, 
so many people in our church mix up the process with the goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but then as a parent in my own life, it's so easy for me to mix up the process and the goal. <laughs> and be like, okay, am I pursuing something for its own sake? Like, oh, hey, uh, when I'm talking to other parents, I want to tell them that my kids are asleep by 8.03 or whatever. Yeah. Or is it my kids are different from each other? Um, and I want them each to get the rest that they need so they can be the person God made them to be. And... I want to get whatever coaching or help I can get to help me facilitate that. It's just a much healthier yeah. mindset <laughs> and happier too. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, those mindsets are really important. And yeah, if you look at it, I love how like even any small problem, like, I mean, this is a relatively small problem in your whole scheme in life, mm-hmm. right? But God uses even these small problems. They're not they're not here by mistake. The skills that we teach our children on how to fall asleep, these are skills that carry over into tons of aspects of your life, right? And God uses these small, I mean, like sleep for you might be small in your, your thing of life, but for a little child, that's it may be their biggest thing of their day. So it's a big deal for them. And we can use these simple little things that in our eyes that just make, you know, teach these skills and they're just so important in the end for the children because it's not just about sleeping. It's about learning, like you said, learning how to, you know, process your emotions, how to, you know, look at, change your perspective, um, learning that you are, you know, that God teaches that, you know, that you're safe and secure, you know, that you have security and you are safe. And uh, so, like, there's just so much in that you can learn just from sleeping and teaching your child sleeping and so much that your child learns from that. And so... I read something I thought was really interesting. It was about why we need sleep and like how the Bible actually doesn't specifically say why we need sleep, but um, why we need to eat or why we need to, any of that stuff, all the stuff we have to have to live. The Bible doesn't tell you why you have to have all that to live, but you can understand slightly. It differentiates you as a creature versus the creator. You need these things because you didn't create yourself. You need the stuff because you're a creature. And so it like encourages our dependency on God. It teaches us that, you know, we are separate from God because we still need sleep. <laughs> God doesn't need sleep. You know, we still need this thing. So Yeah, and I like what Justin said about getting to the root of whatever the sleep issue may be. I mean, that's in our way, that's what we're all about is getting to the to the source. And so it could be fear. I mean, um, maybe your kid has a, a, a some something that they need to talk about and those things need to be talked about and that's disrupting their sleep. So that's, <clears throat> that's something that you would need to ask questions to and get to. In the case of our daughter, I think her fear was, as Gabby said, like, about not sleeping. <laughs> so um, there are some things, like Justin said, that he mentioned about ten- tensing up and, and relaxing different parts of your body and focusing on that. There's other things you can do. There's breathing exercises. One of them is like called five, 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 five seconds in, five seconds hold, five seconds out, and just repeating that process, teaching your kid that and to think on that. Our daughter does not like breathing exercises, so that doesn't work for us, but there's a lot of people that works for. Um, there's another thing you can do. It's called five, four, three, two, one as a grounding exercise. You find five things in your space that you can see and you focus on those five things and identify and name them. Then five things that you can hear. Uh, it could just be the AC. It could be uh, a car passing in the background. It could be the creak of the house. Uh, and you, yeah. 
could be a 10 month old. Yeah, yeah, it could yeah. be a 10 month old. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it could be, you know, five things you feel. Uh, and maybe if you can even touch those things and think about the, the sensation it creates. And then you do that four times, three times, two times, one time. And that's a way to ground yourself. And, uh, and that's a, a good relaxing uh, exercise for some people. Yeah. I think about in the Psalms where it says it's vain for you to rise up early and stay up late because he gives his beloved sleep. Um, and to me, that gets to the heart of what you're talking about, Gabby, with the creature-creator distinction, is I think all rest in the Bible, for us as adults at least, um, is an act of faith to believe that God can keep working when I'm asleep. That, like, I'm not the one personally holding the world together. And we might look and say, well, kids don't have any responsibilities, and so what could they possibly be worried about and feel like they need to be up-maintaining? But of course, the truth is that... Um, just because we've forgotten the the stress they feel about their schoolwork or about their friends or about you know whatever that those things are a big deal to them and they feel like they need to be up solving that problem and maintaining that even like <laughs> our daughter five-year-old big imagination is like oh you know, what happens if something happens to one of my stuffed animals tonight? Like, what if they're worried that I've forgotten about them or something? <laughs> and yeah. like, to us that's silly, but to her that's so real. Yeah. Um, and so to build up that faith um, is so important. And I think that the, the consistency and everything, because as you can't make somebody have faith in God, um, even a child, you know, that that's not something that's in your control, but by showing them that you, their earthly parents, are reliable and you say you're going to do what you're going to do and you're consistent, uh, whether in their routine or keeping your promises or keeping your, your warnings uh, <laughs> or whatever, that that teaches them, okay, I can trust, I can deal with this. And I think that it's not a coincidence that some of the kids who have the worst sleep disruptions have got the most unstable Yes, for homes. sure. So I, it's just something that, to me, stands out so clearly when I think about why don't I sleep like I should sometimes? Well, because I feel like, oh, who's going to handle all these things if I don't handle them? You know, <laughs> If I'm not on, who's going to be on? Um, but to step back in faith and say, okay, God can do more in six days than I can in seven, or God can do more in eight hours than I can in 24. Um, to step back and do that and to model that for my kids and to give them the stability where they can have that kind of faith and they can have that kind of trust is something that I think is so important that I think that you guys were really able to help us work toward, although it's still something I'm working on. Yeah, if, I, if my wife weren't here, I'd say, I've got it under control, I've got it now. <laughs> Colin keeps you, keeps you on, honest. Keeps me honest, that's right. Yeah, thank my sermons are so much more interesting when she's in the nursery. <laughs> Yeah, thank you guys for sharing. Yeah, it's a work in progress. Uh, even with Gabby and I and our kids, um, their their ages are twelve, um, nine, and seven, and uh, and so we're we're still a work in progress. And I think that's that's fitting for all of us with, with our parenting and our personal lives. And so, um, if we could benefit you guys in any way, we would we would love to do that. So don't hesitate to reach out for parent coaching, or or if you know of someone that that is looking for something like this don't hesitate to to recommend them to us we would love to help in any way we can and this has been the heartway podcast where we help with issues at the source and we're so excited to have had the call uh justin and colleen with us today and their kids and gabby and so till next time <laughs>